I wish I could play the drums. There were two instruments that were not allowed in our house. I had to take the mandatory piano lessons. And what was not allowed was drums or violin. My dad said neither one of those were going to happen in our house. And I know when I get to heaven one day that all of a sudden these hands are going to be able to do something that they've never been able to do before. So I look forward to that day. That last song we were singing, um, help me be faithful till my dying day. What a great prayer that is. That's a prayer that we sing. The words that follow, I'm going to live for Christ, doesn't matter what the world may say. That's a bold statement. I pray that that can be true for all of us. And I pray that you desire that to be true. When we sing songs, we want them to come out of the heart. And sometimes I sing in prayer. I sing in hoping. I sing trusting. Um, Other times I'm singing with confidence. And I don't know where you are today, but God has some things that he wants to continue to teach us in his word. We are going through the book of Mark. And so I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. If you need a Bible, if you would just lift up your hand really high. We're going to be looking at God's Word a little bit this morning. Um, God's Word matters to us and we want to put one into your hand. If, if you're receiving a Bible right now and you don't have one, please take this one. Uh, we want it to be our gift to you. If you just forgot yours today, like Frank did over here, then you can feel free just to leave that. Um, on on the chair next to you. And Frank, you can still have it for free if you want one, brother. Frank is the one that said I look like I was in my pajamas today, so I feel this need to uh, somehow pick on him just a little bit. Um, But if you just forgot your Bible today, you can leave it right there, and we'll be glad to pick that up afterwards. Have you ever thought that you were going to get something very minimal And the way it turned out, it was unbelievable. In other words, you go into a particular situation, something's about to happen, and you think it's going to be, you know, this big right here. And it turns out being one of the most amazing things you've ever experienced in your life. Well, a few years back, I wanted to really have a a special time with my son, Andrew. And... I I got to thinking about going to an NFL football game and I like the Dallas Cowboys. He likes the Green Bay Packers. And so I thought that would be great to see one of those games. Well, it's it's near impossible to get a ticket in Green Bay and it's cold there. So it was coming up that Dallas was playing Green Bay in Dallas, Texas. And so I called up a friend and I said, hey, any chance you could get me a ticket? And he goes, you know, there's a guy that tells me he has tickets every now and then and, and I'll, I'll see what I can do, but I can't promise anything and I don't even know if they're good tickets. I was like, that's all, that's all right, that's good. And so uh, finally the Monday of the, day, of the week, that was, the game was gonna be played on Thursday, he calls me up and so he says, hey, I got tickets. And so I quickly get a hotel room and get airline tickets and we take Andrew out of school later in that week and we just go to Dallas and, and just have a great time. He meets us at the hotel, taking us to the stadium, and he goes, you know, I don't know if these tickets are any good or not. I said, listen, we just want to be in the stadium. That's all we want to be. We just want to be in the stadium. We were pumped. We had hats on, jerseys. We had gone to the local Walmart, and we had bought everything. You know, we looked like obvious tourists from out of town, ready to go to a game. So we get to the stadium, and we park, you know, 100 zillion miles away. We walk to the stadium, and we come in the door, and we, we hand the man our tickets. And he looks at them, looks at us, and he ushers us away from the line 
to a special elevator. And he says, you'll be using this elevator. Just show them your ticket at the top. And I said, all right, this sounds cool. So we go up this elevator that has a nice man that stands there and punches the floors and he has to check our tickets because we're going to be let off on a special floor and he wants to make sure everything's right. So all of a sudden we come out this, um, the elevator doors and there's a bunch of doors there. He escorts us over to this particular door and we open up this door and we walk into it and all of a sudden there is the stadium. We are in box seats. And you should have seen Andrew run down the aisle of those seats and come to the window and open up those windows like he was God looking over his universe. And he was like, yes! And once he got over the just incredible joy, because we were almost on the 50-yard line, and he's just taking it all in, and all of a sudden he begins to smell something. And he turns, and there's all-you-can-eat pizza, pulled pork barbecue, Southern style. And the lady comes up and says, would you like something to drink and anything? And she says, yes, anything he wants. So he gets whatever he gets. I mean, it was non-alcoholic. He gets whatever he was going to get. <laughs> and it was so amazing. You would take a sip of your Coke and put it down like this. And before you knew it, she had filled it back up again. I mean, there was just food. It was the most amazing experience. Now, remember, all we wanted to do was get into the stadium. That's all we wanted. And we got this incredible experience. Now, perhaps you've had experiences like that in your life, or perhaps you're saying, why does all the good things happen to other people? I don't know what you're thinking right now. <laughs> but I'm certain that you've had something like that that's happened in your life. Well, I want us to, to move our way through our passage this morning and realize that what we're going to see in very seed form is going to explode into something way bigger than what we see in this passage. And we are recipients of that this morning. So let's look at this passage together. Mark chapter 7. And we're going to begin in verse 24 and we're going to end with verse 37. Mark chapter 7 verse 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in the bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephratha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray and ask God to help us with this passage. Lord, 
we now open our hearts to you. And in your mercy, we ask that you would give us good soil in our hearts so we can receive. So seed can be planted, so growth can take place, and we can bear fruit. Lord, you know what we, each one, brought in to this building this morning. We need your touch. We need a special encounter with you. And so, Lord, would you meet us in those places? Awaken us where we've been sleeping. Soften us where we've hardened. Bring light where we've been darkened. Lord, do a marvelous work in us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In your bulletins, you can see just a brief outline we're going to follow. And I'm going to focus the majority of our time this morning on verses 24 to 30. I'm going to just barely mention the second passage because it's all interrelated in, I think, what is important for us to see. In this section of Mark, there are three stories in this unit. We're going to look at two of them today. The Gentile woman... And then the healing of a deaf man. But following this, in chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus feeds the 4,000. This is a three-story unit. And this passage, or these stories, naturally follow what we were looking at last week when Gerald was sharing with us. Jesus has been taking on the religious leaders, especially in the area of their oral laws. And in this previous passage, with the laws concerning uncleanness or cleanness, the issue of what is clean and what is unclean. And this is one of those areas where when we go into the Old Testament, it doesn't make much sense to us when we read about what is clean and what is unclean. There are certain things that are unclean. We think, well, why is that unclean? It just doesn't connect in our minds. But in the way that they looked at the world, everything fit into those categories of clean and unclean. And by the time we get to the New Testament days, um, the Gentiles that surrounded the Jews, they were actually considered unclean because of the traditions that were being passed down. But in our previous passage, Jesus takes this on and Mark actually makes a little note in verse 19, right there in the middle of the verse, thus he, being Jesus, declared all foods clean. Now this is gonna fly in the face of everything that means to be a Jew and the Mosaic covenant and all the law that's connected to it, that something big is happening. Remember, you can't take new wine and put it in old wineskins. It's just gonna bust it. Jesus has been doing something new throughout this book. And so now, if all foods are clean, as Mark is noting from this passage, what we're gonna find in this series of stories is also Jesus now shows that all people are clean. Just like you can't put food in an unclean category, you can't put a person in an unclean category as well automatically. There's a certain issue that's there. Jesus is breaking with these traditions and now he's gonna highlight this in his association with the Gentiles. And what Jesus was getting at last week is that it's what comes out of the heart that makes a person unclean, not what you put in the mouth. It's what comes out of that heart. And so he's going to be driving home this point. And so in this first story, Jesus is going to move into an unclean area, this Gentile region. He's going to encounter an unclean person, this Gentile woman. We also see that he is going to cast out an unclean spirit. 
in the second story, he's going to continue to move toward those who are unclean. He's going to perform a miracle and bring healing. These are kingdom realities that are being brought to what they would be understand categorically as unclean people. And in the final story in this unit in chapter 8, verses 1 and following, he's going to replicate a miracle that he's already done for the Jews in feeding thousands. He's now going to do that with the Gentiles as well. And so there's something amazing that has taken place here. Jesus has made it clear that what makes a person unclean is not these categories that the Pharisees has often been thinking of. Mark is also continuing something that he's been doing all along as well. He's emphasizing mission to the Gentiles. He's emphasizing that. And so today, Jesus' movement toward the Gentiles is going to preview the Gentile mission. We're actually going to pick that up in the book of Acts. And we actually continue that mission today. And Jesus' response to this Gentile woman, or, or the response of this Gentile woman to Jesus, previews the response of Gentiles. I would imagine that most of us in this room are Gentiles. We have responded to Jesus. We're a long line of Gentile responders who are now a part of what God is doing in this world. So let's look at this first point. In this first story, what we see is Gentiles are not excluded from the kingdom. Now this same um, story is also found over in Matthew. And I'm going to refer back and forth to Matthew chapter 15 because Matthew 15 in, includes some details that this particular story doesn't that really can be helpful for us. But in verse 24 of Mark chapter 7, from there he arose and he went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now some of your Bibles may just say Tyre. Uh, manuscripts have different ones here. We see down in verse 31 that he goes through Sidon. So Sidon's definitely a part of this story. And he's going to, so he's going to go to this new area. He goes into a house and he doesn't want anyone to know. Um, Jesus goes to this unlikely place to be hidden. But even here, it's not possible. Throughout the book of Mark, we have seen various times when Jesus wanted to be alone or go away or to be hidden. He wanted people to keep him, him a secret so that his works were not going out there all over the place. But Jesus is too popular to fly under the radar. He's actually been here previously, if you look back at chapter three, verse eight. So it's very likely that his reputation's already gone before him some. A little bit different experience back then though. And so he goes to this house. He wants to be hidden. But immediately, remember Mark's use of the word immediately, immediately a woman comes up to him and confronts him. And she's got an issue. Her little daughter is possessed with a demon or an unclean spirit. The text uses both of those. And from the start, though, we must see that a major point is being made here. Um, in verse 26, now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. There's a lot of detail that, that Mark wants us to know about this particular woman. She, in many ways, is the worst of the unclean. She is a Gentile woman. She's not a Jew. She's not a God-fearer. In fact, if you look back at Matthew 15 in the parallel story, verse 22, she's a Canaanite. The, the, the main people that were supposed to be destroyed in the land when Joshua took the people in the land way back when God was giving his people the promised land. I mean, that's the worst you could possibly be. God was driving them out because of their atrocities, because of their paganism. So she was a Canaanite. There, she's, 
she's also in a region where there was a strong hatred between her people and the Jews. Josephus, a Jewish historian, writes about this and he says that they were our bitterest enemies. There was a long period of antagonism. Not only is she unclean, but she's got a bad track record being a part of these people where there was such antagonism. And she was in a region, Syrophoenicia, that is known for its outright paganism. And so immediately coming out of this previous event where all foods are pronounced clean, where Jesus says it's what comes out of the heart, he encounters what socially would have been considered the worst of uncleanness that he possibly could. Simply put, everything about this scene could be summarized with one word, unclean. The spirit's even unclean in this story. Later on it's used demons, but spirit is referred to as an unclean spirit. What is Jesus even doing here? He's about to make a point. And this woman comes to Jesus. And it doesn't matter the odds that are stacked against her at that moment. She falls on the ground before Jesus. And there's an urgency there. Again, back in Matthew 15, verses 22 and 23, listen to this. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. Now notice this, and his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she's crying after us. And so Matthew gives some details that this woman was just continuous in her efforts, so much so that the disciples were saying, get rid of her. She's causing problems for us. But she lays herself down there before the Lord and she addresses him as Lord. She calls out to him as Lord. Now, what's important for us to understand here, this, she does this in verse 28. What's important for us to understand is there is no one else in the gospel of Mark that calls Jesus Lord except for this one who's the unclean of the unclean. She's the one who cries out to him. Jesus uses this word for himself, but nowhere else does another person use this for Jesus. And it's a Gentile, the, the unclean of the unclean who does so. Now notice the connection that Jesus is going to make in going into this region, encountering this woman, goes back up to chapter 7 in verse 15. And this is what Jesus said. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile them. That's the true indicator of a person, clean or unclean, what comes out of them. And so what we want to observe as we work our way through this story is what is, in fact, coming out of this woman. And we might even contrast what's coming out of this woman with what is coming out of the religious leaders of the day. And the contrast between those two. So she, call, she lays down before him. She, she calls him Lord. And Jesus responds with this parable. She's begging him to cast the demon out. And Jesus said to her, let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The parable is simple. We can all imagine a table where children are eating and there might be a, a, a house pet dog running around and, and then you, you, know, you ever drop something on the floor? 
those animals are fast, aren't they, to the spot. It's like, no, that's what we're going to eat. And you pick it up real quickly, the five-second rule. It's not dirty when you do that. But that dog will go right after that. Jesus makes it very clear. No, the priority is the children. We all know that. It makes a lot of sense to us when he lays that out there. So let the children be fed first. Jesus is not denying her because she's a Gentile, because of this uncleanness that just abounds in her life, as the fathers would see it. Instead, he emphasizes a Jewish priority. Let the children be fed first. The dogs don't eat the children's bread. That would not be right. This is ultimately Jesus' emphasis in the parable. And again, I love the way it gets brought out in Matthew chapter 15. Listen to this. So remember the disciples want to um, send this person away because he's bothering um, um, them. In verse 24 of Matthew 15, Jesus answered her as she cries out to him, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came, knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And so he, she continues just to beg him. But Jesus makes it very clear the priority that is there. Now think about some of the verses that we know. Maybe you don't know them. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God into salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. And we understand this. You look at the book of Acts and when we have Jesus gone back up into the heavens, they go up to the, the upper room and they wait and the Holy Spirit comes down. We have the day of Pentecost. God is moving. He's doing a wonderful work with the Jews and he continues to do that work. And then eventually it moves to the Gentiles and chapter 10 is when the Gentile Pentecost happens and they're amazed by this. They don't know what to think of it. And they actually have to talk about it. And they conclude... I guess Gentiles are recipients as well, just like Jews. And so this is something that's going to unfold for the people. But Jesus is already beginning to push those boundaries. This has been embedded in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. God enters into a covenant relationship with Abram. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And those who bless you, I'm going to bless them. And those who curse you, I'm going to curse them. Through you, Abram, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Not just the Jews, but all the nations of the world. From the very beginning, we already have that set out for us. What Jesus is basically saying is, woman, you and your people are not my priority. And so she begs again and begs again. And then that's when Jesus says, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she answered, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. The dogs under the table, they even get a little bit. And so you see an incredible faith by her. The woman does not seem the least bit offended by what Jesus is saying here. Because who are the children? Well, it's Israel. Then who are the dogs? Well, that's everybody else. She would be a dog. You would be a dog in this particular story. She's not the least bit offended. She uses this opportunity to engage Jesus. And she builds on Jesus' own imagery in this story. Even the dogs get the crumb. I mean, look at this video of our dog. Our dog's name is Bama, which is an appropriate name for a dog. All you can see is our feet because we're eating. And what is the dog doing? 
just walking around. And that's what the Gentile lady is saying. She's saying, even dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table. And this is an incredible faith that we see being demonstrated in her life. And there's another video clip that's going to go right beyond this one. So where are we going to put the crumbs? In the trash can. But the dog's just hoping that something doesn't make it into the trash. I'm going to sit right here. And that's the response of this Gentile woman. She's not put off by this. She recognizes Jesus' priority. She refuses to believe, though, that she or any other Gentile would be excluded from the benefits of this one who has come, the Messiah. Even dogs like her will get crumbs from the table, and that will be enough. Jesus is making it clear that this woman, who would automatically be viewed as unclean, is in fact clean. Although in the parable, she's a dog looking for scraps, so to speak. He's not going to treat her like a dog. Instead, he's going to show that she too is a recipient of God's grace. And so what does he do? He heals her daughter. The demon is gone. She too gets to receive. We aren't going to even look at verses 31 to 37, but what happens there? Jesus goes into further in the Gentile territory and he continues to bring kingdom benefits to person after person after person. Because Jesus doesn't look at status. He looks at need. And he brings that message of the kingdom. Mark 15 summarizes this one healing that we have in verses 31 to 37. The deaf man um, who had a hard time speaking. Matthew summarizes it. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up to the mountain and sat there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet. And he healed them so that the crowd wondered. And when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, they glorified the God of Israel. You see, that's our second point there, that this gospel continues to be extended uh, to the Gentiles. Jesus wants to make it clear that there are not categories of people, but he's got a priority and it's going to go first to the Jew. So Jesus is intending to make a point And he wants to make it as clear as possible. It's not being a Gentile that makes one unclean. It is the heart. It's what comes out of the heart that is the indicator of that. Well, what's coming out of her heart? She is the only one in Mark who calls Jesus Lord. The only one. We also see her strong belief as she lays before him, begging him. Her eyes are on Jesus. She knows that's where her hope is. And the hope is evidence that if Jesus will even give her just a crumb, she'll nibble on that and be satisfied. And so she says to Jesus, yes, Lord, verse 28, yet even the dogs under the table eat their children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. What does Matthew 15 say that Jesus says? It's so interesting She says, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. She's willing for crumbs as long as they come from Jesus. 
This is the only time in the Gospels where Jesus is actually given a parable where the one he's talking to is actually in the parable and doesn't fight back. Every time the Pharisees are in the parable, what do they do? They walk off in a huff and they're ticked off at Jesus. How dare him? You don't see that with this woman. She'll gladly be the dog under the table and eat crumbs as long as it comes from Jesus. So not only is she not a dog, not only is she not unclean, She's actually a good example of true Abrahamic belief. In the same way that Abraham believed God and it was counted him for righteousness, we see this Gentile woman, the unclean of the unclean, believing God and it being counted to her for righteousness. Gentile status does not make her unclean. It's the heart. And her heart is one of belief. Jesus is blowing up these present day categories. They don't, know, they don't know what to do anymore because of all their traditions of people being divided as clean and unclean. When we had kids growing up, we used the words yummy and yucky and Jews were the yummy people and Gentiles were the yucky people is the idea in this passage. And Jesus is just blowing that up because that's not true. It's what comes out of the heart. That's what really matters. Jesus is given a priority though and that's that Israel will be the first to hear the gospel. And we're gonna see that take place in the book of Acts like we said earlier. And although the Gentiles have to wait, they're not excluded. They, which means us, we are invited to the party. And this is where something little becomes way more. She was willing to take a crumb, but what she really gets is a banquet feast. As Gentiles, we aren't given just crumbs. We actually get invited to the table. We get a seat at the banquet. The same message that goes to the Jews that is now Jesus's priority and she just wants a crumb later is going to go to the Gentiles and they get invited to the feast as well. The gospel is to go to the nations. And so Jesus has given us a preview of what is about to happen as the days unfold. His death, burial, resurrection, his ascension, gospel to the Jews, and then off to the Gentiles. All people are to hear. And so in verses 31 to 37, we just see that he continues to advance it to the kingdoms. Well, what does this leave us with? What is to be our response? We see God making a way throughout the Bible. In Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the seed of the serpent. How is that going to happen? In Genesis chapter 12, as we read earlier, Abram, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. How is that going to happen? And then we see Jesus come. That's how that's going to happen. For the Jew and also for the Gentile. Romans 1, 16 says, to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile, we get invited. And here's, here's just a few points I want to make. Number one is this. The gospel is for all of you. And when we have a group this big, I know there must be at least someone in this room who might come to grace and you hear the messages and you see the people here and you somehow feel like the gospel is for them, not for me. I'm the creepy person. I'm the yucky person. The gospel could never reach my heart. Do you understand all the things I've done? Do you understand what an outcast I am in society? Do you understand how I don't fit in? It's not for me. And this passage is definitely for you because it says everybody's invited. That gospel goes to everyone and Jesus is giving us a foretaste of this. All of you, the gospel is for you. Jesus died for you without exception 
in this room. You can all come to the table and feast, but the only way you can come to the table is through Jesus. There's no good works that you can do, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It's not of works. No one can boast. It's only in Jesus. That's why we worship Jesus here. That's why we sing about Jesus. That's why we praise his name. That's why we're so committed to other people hearing about Jesus. The gospel is for all of you. None of you is out of his reach. Let today be the day. Maybe you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior because you feel like you're on the outside looking in. Walk in today because the gospel is for you. Let me make a second point. When you think about this parable and think about the fact that you're actually the dog in the parable, being a Gentile, looking for scraps under the table, do you find that offensive? Let me ask you this. Did you get crumbs when you received Jesus? No, you didn't get crumbs, did you? You don't want to push the analogy too far. Jesus is saying the Jew first. But the gospel goes to all. Now, we don't get crumbs. We get a banquet table. You were dead in your sins, and he made you alive. Hallelujah. He made you alive. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have an advocate with the Father. And we could go on and on and quote verse after verse after verse. Psalm 103 says, forget not all of his benefits. Don't you forget any of them because we have many. Jesus is simply saying, it's the Jew first. But in the back of his mind, he must be saying, but watch out Gentiles because this is going to the nation. I think the third thing that we need to walk away from with this is we see the trickle effect here of the gospel going to the nations but the first has already happened. We're now in that phase where we've got to give bread to the Gentiles. There's a world that needs to hear the gospel message of Jesus. Listen to this, what I receive. Every day I receive information about an unreached people group. And listen to this. The people also believe that the supreme God is too distant to worship directly. And that therefore the only way to serve him or to worship him is through a spirit. Consequently, they will worship a statue or another object believed to house a spirit. The spirit in return will supposedly give the worship to the supreme God on behalf of the tribesmen. Oh, how they need to know about Jesus, don't they? That God who they think is so far away that they could never be in contact with him. They must somehow find a spirit to go to him. They need to know that because of Jesus, those who are enemies of God have become friends. That there's no hostility. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And there are unreached people groups all around the world who have never held a Bible in their hand. And not only that, they've never even heard the name of Jesus. Jesus said, first, I'm gonna go to the Jews. But then when he went to heaven, he left the rest of this mission to us. And he models that for us here. It must go to the Gentiles as well. We've got books out there like Operation World that will explain to you every nation and the needs that are there. Just turn to Japan. We just sent a missionary to Japan. Why? Because we believe that people need to hear about Jesus, that they need to hear. And we've got missionaries around the globe 
We've got missionaries in Tunisia, in Thailand, moving, mobilizing others into China. One in Oman that wants to get into Yemen, but because of all the religious and political unrest, Chad, Congo, Colombia, sending people into the 1040 window, India, Japan, Hungary. I mean, we've got people out there. Why? We invest that. Why? Because we believe that people need to hear about Jesus. All of us in this room are proclaimers of the gospel. Every last one of us. In Psalm 67, verses one through three, it says, may the Lord bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then there's a selah, which is pause and let that sink in for a bit. And then it's surprising because then it says that your name may be known by the nations. Why does God bless us? Why has God blessed us with this incredible message and brought us into the family so that we might proclaim his name so it can be known to the nations? Why does God bless us financially? Why does God give us these blessings that we so much enjoy in America so that we can give and the gospel can go to the nations? There is not a better message we could proclaim to anyone out there than the good news of Jesus. And we see Jesus moving them in that direction. I have an outfit on from India. There are more unreached people groups in India than any other nation in the world. The gospel needs to go to them. And it's our prayer that God would continue to raise up people in this congregation so that we can move them outward. We all need to take that message out. And we continue to support people in this area because the gospel needs to continue to go out here. But we constantly want to be looking at the nations where people have never heard the name Jesus. And I keep praying that God would tithe a people from this congregation. A tithe. So that we can go around to the nations and tell more and more people about Jesus. I don't know what God is stirring in your heart today. I'm going to ask several Grace Group shepherds to come up here and and be prepared to pray for you. If you just want to come to someone and, and ask for prayer, I'm going to invite Caleb to come up. He's going to close us in a song. But won't you bow with me right now in prayer? We believe that God works in the reading, proclamation, and teaching of his word. And I know that God is working in your heart now. And so, Lord... Have your way with us. Lord, would you stir in our hearts all that you want to stir. Lord, in your mercy, get our attention and teach us what you want to teach us.